The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Good to see you today. Um, do want to welcome those of you who are joining Facebook Live. Our internet is down, so we apologize to those of you. I'm pointing here at my phone because it's uh, doing live right now. So as I look at this person, I get to preach to whoever's watching. Uh, apologize for the audio. It'll be up later. If it's really, really bad, then maybe you should um, just wait a little while and they'll have the, the whole service posted online a little later. Welcome to all of you guys as we once again jump into majoring in the minors. You know, we started this um, and we, we talk about, you know, hey, you're not supposed to major in the minors, right? You, you want to major in the majors, the things that's going to get you the most movement. But in um, the Bible, man, the minor prophets are some very interesting characters that leave us some in, um, pretty incredible truth. Um, and when I started this journey, man, I thought, man, this is this. I can feel the Lord kind of leaning in and say, saying, I want you to, I want you to start this journey with the body and take them through this. Um, it, you know, it was, it, it's been kind of challenging for me I, because it's not, you're not as familiar with. Uh, these books. I'm personally not as familiar with these books. You don't grow up hearing a lot about them, even if you grow up in church. And so um, it can feel somewhat as you go into them, uh, you get a little depressing, man. There's a lot of judgment in there. There's a lot of hard stuff in the minor prophets. But uh, as we look at that, I presume that's probably why they're not taught from very much. Is because it's a, just a lot of heavy, hard stuff to the nation of Israel. But what's encouraging is that every one of them, without exception, always has a glimpse of hope on the horizon. And that tells us that the Lord wants to encourage us. Even in the midst of giving us some very difficult truth, he wants us encouraged. And that's important for us uh, to take away. And it's important for us to see that as we study these books and, and trying to get a good uh, understanding of a, of a theological perspective from a Christian uh, and our worldview is that God, um, he, he chooses to communicate with all of humanity. Like a lot of times people say, man, why doesn't God just tell us what he wants us to do? Well, he does. Like what he did is he did it through a people group. And he started with one man, Abraham. And he came and he, he spoke to him. And he made him a promise, I'll make you into a great nation. And then later in time, we see as we trace through the first five books of, of the Old Testament that they are indeed grown into a great nation. We get um, to the patriarchs, and finally Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they are a nation at this point. Now they're given a law, and God says in the Old Testament, we look at the Levitical law, and it's given to them, this is how this nation, which is a theocracy, is going to be governed. And then we go down the road some and we get kings and God gives them King David. And throughout all of the Old Testament period, there are prophets that are given. And these prophets prophesy the word of God. And so we come to the end of the minor prophets in Malachi and we find um, that the Old Testament closes and we enter into what is known as the interbiblical period or the silent years when God doesn't raise up a prophet for 400 years. And the last prophet said that there would be one who comes and prepares the way of the Messiah. So 400 years later, John the Baptist shows up on the scene. And he's a prophet like Israel has only read about. And he starts saying that um, to prepare the way 
for the Messiah. And then he acknowledges that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus serves as prophet, priest, and king. And then we know that he goes to the cross of Calvary after giving us the most incredible teaching that has been ever known to mankind. Like, even if you're not a believer that Jesus was God in the flesh, you still have to acknowledge that Jesus was the most incredible teacher that ever existed. That's why he's so popular even today uh, among people. Man, you look at him and the things that he taught were amazing. The way that he taught was amazing. And that would make sense if you were God, you ought to be an amazing teacher. And indeed he was. He died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and he promised that he was uh, going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes now to serve in a spiritual aspect as prophet, priest, and king to the uh, new uh, Jerusalem, which is the church in this age. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit lives in us to serve as prophet, priest, and king, and teach us how to live, understand the words of God that he's given to us through these people of God. So we look, and then he says, man, I'm, I'm coming back, and I'm going to come back for my church. And so we look forward into the future. There's more prophecy that is given in the New Testament. It is also in the Old Testament that there will be a second coming of the Messiah, and he will come, and he will make all things new. And so that, in a nutshell, is what we believe, and we look to the nation of Israel, and we see this is how God communicated with humanity. This is how he spoke to us. And so as we look at the nation of Israel, we see um, a lot of parallels. For instance, when we look at uh, Moses, Moses serves as a type of Christ. And so is is he the Christ? No. But he is a picture of what the Christ will do, okay? He couldn't do it. All right, and so, but he gives us a picture of how Christ will be the ultimate mediator. And so he's a type of Christ in the whole Old Testament. And so it prepares us to receive and understand what the Messiah will actually do. We look at even things like the, the sacrifice of the animals when Adam and Eve sinned. And there was a sacrifice, there was a death, and blood was shed to do what? to give them a covering, to cover their physical nakedness that was going to be indicative of what would happen spiritually when Christ, the Passover lamb, was crucified and he now serves as a covering of our sins spiritually when we receive him. So we see all these pictures in the Old Testament that are pictures of what Christ would do in the New Testament. Well, we have the nation of Israel that there's judgment executed on them. And that judgment is, is that if they are not following God and they are not in right covenant relationship with him, there would be judgment on them. And so the judgment would be, the blessing is in the life that God promises that he would walk with them, he would provide for them, he would care for them. And the condition was, is that they were to honor him in the covenant that he laid out for them in the Mosaic law. And if they did not, he said, that there would be a curse of other nations would be raised up to oppress you. And so what happens in the Old Testament is we see that he raises them into a great nation, and then he uses prophets to say, man, guys, we're getting way off here, and God is going to bring judgment if we don't repent and turn from our sins. And so the nation of Israel didn't repent and turn from their sins, and so they are carried away into exile, okay? And so you have to kind of think of, Uh, uh, being a sovereign nation, and all of a sudden, another nation is raised up and becomes more powerful than you, and they take your sovereignty away. And they actually took the Israelites out of their homeland. 
Okay, and so that was Babylon. And so when we look at these 12 minor prophets, um, we get the first nine, are, they are pre-exile, meaning they are before the exile is going to take place. Then we get to the last three, which we'll start here in the real near future, and we get to um, the post-exile, meaning that God promised that he would bring them back, okay? Now, stay with me, because this is really cool, all right? I'm doing this on purpose. So he promises he will bring them back. And so when we get to these last three prophets, it's about the time of Nehemiah and Esther, when God brought the children of Israel back into their homeland and there was the rebuilding of the wall and the rebuilding of the temple um, and all of these cool things are happening. That's the last three prophets. But judgment was gonna come because they were disobedient. And so as I look at that, what, I'm, what the Lord is teaching me is that this is a type of the judgment that will happen on the world when Christ returns. He warns us. He warns us over and over in the New Testament that judgment is coming for the unbeliever. And so all of these things that God is using through the nation of Israel, he's, he's speaking to the entire world, all of humanity throughout time about what he's like. And that's why there are so many miraculous events surrounding the nation of Israel and these um, incredible things that we read in the Bible. It is to authenticate the message of God. So Zephaniah is the last prophet before the exile. Now, Zephaniah is not one you're gonna hear a lot about in our day and age. But as we jump in today, you're gonna to see why we don't hear a lot of preaching and teaching from the book of Zephaniah. Here's verse, and I, what I'm doing, okay, I'm trying to pick out the major things in this book that the Lord has said, this is what I want you to teach on. And so the, here's the major message that I see in the book of Zephaniah. Starting in verse two of chapter one. I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away both man and beast. I will sweep away the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea and the idols that cause the wicked to stumble. When I destroy all mankind on the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Here's your first takeaway. The clean sweep is coming right? Okay, so we're like, whoa, like this sounds of Noah. It sounds of a destruction, okay? Now, what happened is, is Zephaniah prophesies this, and then we see that in, what he's saying is the Babylonians are going to come, and they're going to, like our, our nation is, a clean sweep is happening in our nation. So what we have to understand as believers, what is the relevance for us today? Well, one is, is that God, he does judge sin, and two is that we see that this is a type of the sweep that will come in the future when Jesus returns for the second time. And so as we live our lives, it's important for us to understand and we keep focused out of there in the distance that a clean sweep is coming uh, before us. And this is a, intense and it's in alarming, but it's meant to be. It's meant to be because we have to understand that God is long-suffering and he doesn't want anyone to perish. Like that, the, the scripture says that. And so God is patient, striving with men and women that they might come into his kingdom and become citizens. But the reality is there is always a time for judgment with God. And here's what another thing, just, just toss this out along the way for free, is we don't talk about this in the church. We don't talk about it enough. 
And we've kind of come to a place, I think, where we've, we've settled on, well, we gotta protect people from this. Because if we teach on this, then the unbeliever might not, it might not be that seeker sensitive and he might not want to come in and be a part of the kingdom. And so what we have created is a bunch of soft citizens. We got soft citizens in, in the kingdom of God. We're afraid to teach the whole counsel of God because we might offend somebody. Listen, you read the Bible, you walk in sin, you're gonna get offended. That's just the way it is. Like, it's offensive, man. It's offensive to the way that we live, and that is intentional because God is trying to help us get to know him. And so he doesn't leave us with a license to do anything that we want to do. And so we look at all of our society, and we're just soft, man. We're just soft. Every kid gets a trophy even if he loses. Man, when I grew up, if you're a loser, you're a loser. And if you want to win, you better work harder. And so now we got a bunch of soft citizens in the world, and people are, everybody's a victim. And so we, we're afraid that we can't even say anything. You can't even, you got to be careful with every word that you say, or someone might label you a, a racist or a bigot or whatever. Why is that? It's because we're soft, man. We've created a soft culture within in the, the world that we live in, and so we have to get away from that and get people back to truth. And so what we don't want and what we're not going to have at OPCC, okay? So maybe you came today and you're checking it out and you're like, man, I want to know what this church is about. Somebody invited you and, and you're like, let me tell you something. You're not going to come here and be soft, okay? If you are, you're going to get real uncomfortable because we're going to teach you the truth. We're going to teach you the word of God. We're not going to teach you what we want to teach you. We're going to teach you what the Lord calls us to teach you so that you are prepared for the clean sweep when it comes because it's coming. Okay, hold on, brothers and sisters, because it gets worse. That's <laughs> in chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring such distress on all the people that they will grope about like those who are blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like dung. So here's point number two. It's a day of doom and gloom, okay? You're like, wow, I picked the wrong day to come to church, right? And so it's bad. It's, it's not what you're going to find on a greeting card in the religious section at Hallmark. You're not going to find this on a church website. And nobody's tweeting this stuff. Like this is like a hard word from the Lord. And it is the word. And what we see is God executes judgment because of the rebellion of his people. And so if we're not going to be soft, we need to be aware of that truth. That if, if we are rebelling against the truth of God, he will indeed execute judgment on us. He's told us as much. Okay, that's just the way God is. And so like everybody doesn't get a trophy. Like you either are a trophy of God's grace or you are not. You either are a winner or you're a loser. 
And as we get to the end of this message, we'll see how that takes place and how we can be, uh, make sure that we are uh, on the right side of that, that uh, equation. And so God is executing judgment, and we wonder, well, what is the rebellion? Well, he tells us. If you flip over to chapter 3 and look at verses 1 and 2, he says, Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. And so what do we see there? Four very clear things from God about why judgment is coming upon the nation of, of Israel. There's no obedience. There's no respect for authority whatsoever in their, their lives. They don't obey God, and so she does not obey. She accepts no correction. When the prophet starts prophesying, they don't have any time to hear what the prophet says. That's why they were raising up prophets, or false prophets, as we looked in the um, uh, uh, in all of these <laughs> different um, uh, books of uh, of the minor prophets. We've seen there's always a false prophet that is raised up that tells the people what they want to hear. That always is a prophesying. We saw in one of them. I don't, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was. Uh, uh, the last, uh, I don't know which one it was. You have to remember yourself. Um, but, but he says, you, the, the kind of prophet that would prophesy wine and beer would be just the prophet for you. Okay? And so you see, you're, you, you're like a prophet that will tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. And so here's the second thing. They accept no correction when the word of God is preached. They just find another place that says what they want to hear so that they can keep living the way that they want to live. And so that's a day of doom and gloom for people who live like that. They don't trust in the Lord. And so they trust in the things that their hands can make. They were very involved in idol worship. And all that is is trusting in what your hands can make. And so when we begin to trust in our finances, trust in our gifts, trust in how we are able to make our own way, that drive, that American spirit that we all have, when we trust in that more than we do the Lord, that's a problem. Okay? And so judgment will, be, uh, will fall on that. And then finally he says, you don't draw near to God. Okay, so that the scripture even in the New Testament teaches us that we are to resist the devil and we are to draw near to God. So we draw unto him and he draws nigh unto us. And so these are four things that are very important for us to be uh, engaged in. And it teaches us that our obedience is important. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, one of the ways that people will know that you love me is that you obey what I command. Now, this is very important theologically is that obedience doesn't earn you righteousness, but obedience proves that you yearn to be righteous. So, so obedience doesn't earn you any righteousness. Your righteousness comes from Christ. And so when you understand that your righteousness is a free gift that God just puts inside of you because of your belief and your trust and your drawing near to him and you, you have accepted the free gift of salvation, then you yearn to be righteous because he is righteous. And so it changes you and you start wanting to obey. That's why before you meet Jesus, it's easy to walk in sin. And after you meet Jesus, it's not easy to walk in sin. And so that, like the, the Lord starts to do a work in us. And so our obedience is very, very important to the Lord. Now, what God does in all of this judgment is he's giving us a window into his character. And he's letting us see the wrath side of himself in order to create reverence and respect him for who he is. 
And so God expects us to walk in reverence and, and that reverence when we acknowledge that he is the authority in the world, that that means he's the authority in my life, he's the authority in my marriage, he's the authority in my work, and he becomes Lord of my life. And so when I begin to have a vision of his wrath, it helps me to understand even at a deeper level the beauty of his grace because he spares me from his wrath. Now, so it's important for us to see this side of God, but it still causes us to ask why. Why does God have to be this way? And this is when it's important for us to see it all, okay? And that's why I started from the very creation story and went all the way to Revelation in the beginning to see how God has communicated to us. And I'm reminded of a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 21. Look at it with me. He tells this parable. Now, this is God in the flesh telling this parable. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. And the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Now, here, here's what we see is that God, what Jesus is saying is that I created a planet. I put people in it. Then I sent prophets to tell them what I was like. And they wouldn't listen to the prophets, and they stoned them. So I sent more prophets, and they wouldn't listen to what I was like. So I sent more prophets, and they wouldn't listen to what I was like. So I sent my son. I became a human being myself, and I came, and I told them what I was like. And they still wouldn't listen to me. What's going to happen to anybody who doesn't receive me is what he is saying. They will be cast out of the kingdom. Okay? And so here's the, the next takeaway. God has done all he can. What more, do, what more could God do for us than to send people who talk about that he's promising, he performs all these miracles through these prophets and, and through all of this um, the, the preservation of the nation of Israel, telling them what's going to happen before it happens and then it happens so that we can trust, leaving behind so much evidence that it's absolutely overwhelming. And if a person is really a scholar of the word of God, it takes more faith to not believe that Jesus was God than to believe he is God. Like it just does. Like, there's nobody that could do the things that Jesus did um, unless he was God in the flesh. And so God, and then he finally comes himself, and he dies in our stead, rises from the dead, creates this thing called the church, sends the Holy Spirit, and he says to us, I'm coming back. And so God has made a way for man to spare, be spared. Now, as we look at all of the judgment stuff in all of these these prophecies from these um, minor prophets, as I said, there's always a glimmer of hope. <laughs> With God, there's always a remnant. There's always a few that are protected. 
even, even when they would be taken away in captivity, there would be a remnant that would be left behind. And so God is saying there's always a remnant, there's always a group, there's always someone who is available, uh, uh, the, who are recipients of the kingdom of God. And so when, um, when we look at that, then it, it begs the question, is, or it, 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 it kind of creates the urgency, we want to go, man, I want to be sure that I'm part of the remnant. Now here's what the remnant looks like. Now we go back to chapter 3 of Zephaniah, looking at verses 9 through 20. And so what, what Zephaniah has done is he's, he's, at this point, he has spoken to what's going to happen to Judah. Then he says, here's what's going to happen to all the, all the countries around Judah, all the nations around Judah and Israel. Um, and, but, he, but then he goes back into kind of giving a hope for the remnant and the future. And so after all that judgment is executed, he says this, Then I will purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. On that day, Jerusalem will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. And so what this tells us, a new day will dawn, okay? And so like we can look at and then a queen, clean sweep is coming. It's a day of doom and gloom. God has done all he can. And because he did what he has done, a new day will dawn. We are people who rejoice and are glad and are filled with joy. Why? Like, why do we have joy? Like, I love joy, man. I love just to walk in the pure joy of the Lord. It is my strength. It is what enables me to go through the down days. It is what helps me to enjoy at a greater level the good days. It's just the joy of the Lord, and it's ever-present in my life. And why is it there? It is because I sing a new song in my life because a new day has dawned, because I'm not the same. And when we encounter the Lord, we're not the same. We've been remade in Christ because we look at this and we go, all right, that's what the remnant is. The remnant right now in the age that we live is the church, the body of Christ. Not a church, the church, the church, capital C. So you can be a part of a church and not be a part of the church. Just because you come to this church doesn't mean that you are in the big capital C church. You have to have been um, remade in Christ in order to be a part of the remnant. Because we look at this and we go, how do we know if we're in the remnant? Well, what's fascinating to me is that all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, the message is always the same. And we see this in verse 9 um, of the text that I just read. You have to call on the name of the Lord. He says, then I will purify the lips of the peoples that, uh, uh, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord. 
Peter preaches his first sermon. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. The first sermon that was ever preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches, man, and he says, judgment is coming, bros. Judgment is coming. And they all are stricken like in their heart, and they say, what must we do to be saved? Call on the name of the Lord. That's what Peter tells them. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church, and it came out of the ground. And so when we go, what, how do I know if I'm part of the, the remnant of God? Have you ever called on the name of the Lord? Now, this is not simply an uttering of a few words and, and just saying, well, I believe in Jesus. No, it is coming to a point in your life where you recognize that you are a sinner. You deserve the full wrath and judgment of God. You are broken over your sin. You recognize that Jesus died in your stead, and you call on him to forgive you. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. The second thing that we could look at is that we are remade. It says in verse 11 and 12, if we look at those a little bit more deeply, it says, on that day, Jerusalem will not be put to shame. Guess what goes away when you call on the name of the Lord? <laughs> shame. That's why you have joy. Because you know you've done all this stuff that's offensive to God, but he doesn't hold it to your account because you have called on his name. He has forgiven you, and now you are joyful because he's taken the shame away from you, and you don't feel guilty before God anymore. And then he says um, uh, that uh, another characteristic, if you look down in verse 12, he says, um, Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. And what does that, what does that mean? Like, People in their human, humanity and their flesh are not meek and humble. They're arrogant and prideful. They, they look at everything that comes before them. They don't think of others first. They think of how they could get ahead. And they think about how can I get mine out of that? I want to show you, like, you, you, just, just so how clear it is. Uh, uh, we got some pizza coming today for those of you who are staying for the meeting about uh, the membership afterwards. And, well, let's not use that pizza because it's Domino's. But let's talk about, you know, they're putting a Papakinos in over here. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, uh, Papakinos is delicious. But you, they get that Papakinos and you order a large pizza. They come in. Well, first thing you do is go, I want that slice. Right? And you're like, well, should I take that slice? My kids might take it. Well, if it's you and your family, you take the slice, man. You earned it. No. But you, even in something as like a slice of pizza, we're not humble. We want to get what we want. We look at uh, all these different things and we go, man, I want that to be mine. And so what, what we see that when we call upon the name of the Lord, we are remade and now we are meek and humble. Why? because we've taken on the characteristic of Christ and he forms us into the same thing as himself. And so instead of just being okay with being arrogant and prideful and wanting everything to be about me and being selfish, we start acting like Jesus because we've now been remade in Christ. So how do you know you're part of the remnant? You got some humility and you got some meekness about you. And one of the things I'm gonna tell you about humility, if you think you're humble, you're not. Like the Lord can make you more and more humble, but as soon as you come to a place where you think you're humble, you need a deeper dose of humility. And so that's something you can recognize as, geez, man, I'm so far away from the righteousness of God. And I'm so, and, and what that does is it creates this conflict in you. You're like, geez, man, I've been following the Lord for 30 years and I'm still so far away. But he loves me. 
Like he loves me so much and he just keeps working with me and that just causes me to sing louder the joy uh, of full song that is in me because I've been remade in Christ and so now I have a new nature. I'm, I'm meek and humble. And then, and then we see not only uh, that, uh, that we live a holy life. Verse 13 says um, uh, that they, they, a deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down and no one will make them afraid. And he talks about um, uh, they, they will do no wrong, they will tell no lies. They were, okay, this week, you guys, your assignment is do no wrong, tell no lies. Okay, you probably get the second one right. That first one. That first one, you get caught in rush hour traffic. It's going to be hard. <laughs> right? Okay, so, but what, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going to look at them like they do no wrong and tell no lies. Why? Because I'm going to cover them in the uh, righteousness of myself. And when I see them, all I'm going to see is my glory. And they are going to recognize when they do no wrong. And they're going to repent. And they're not going to be people who are rebellious. They will accept correction. They will accept my authority in their lives. They will draw near to me because they will know I'm their only hope. And that's how you know you're part of the remnant. Because you live that way. You don't live like everybody else. You live like Jesus. Even though you don't measure up to him, you keep trying to live like him. And that's the beauty of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not about how much you read your Bible. It's not about how much you pray, that you will do both of those things a lot if you are part of the remnant, because you will realize that the more you understand about the word of God and the more that you communicate God, with God, the more he will make you into the same thing as himself, and you will start taking on his character. But it is about has a transformation happened inside of you where you are no longer the old person that you used to be. You are a new person in Christ. And so what you don't need to do, like some of you are like, man, this guy is motivating me today and I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. You need a new life, bro. Not a new leaf. It takes a new life. There's not enough motivation and willpower in the world to get you to live the way that I'm talking about. The only thing that can do it is the power of the Spirit falling upon you and living inside of you and enabling you to walk in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of Christ. And that's the beauty of the Gospels. That's what he wants to do in your life. And so a new day will dawn, and, and we need that new life. So the big idea of today's talk is be the remnant. Like, be the remnant, man. Don't leave it up for chance. Make sure that you know that you are part of the remnant. You say, well, I don't know. Well, what do I do? Jesus said, you seek, you knock, and you will find. Like, it's a good step for you to be here today. If you don't know you're part of the remnant, you just keep seeking, knocking, and finding. And, and then when you are in that remnant, you will begin to sing, as I've described, that song of joy that he talks about. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. So we look at that and go, ah, man, that's a lot there, isn't it? You know, I'd say, when are we going to get to the New Testament? <laughs> Today. Okay? And what you have to understand about the New Testament is that it sheds light on the Old Testament. And so the more that you understand about the New Testament, the more you will appreciate and see the beauty of the Old Testament. And the early disciples spent their time 
And Peter said, man, it's important that we get some other people to help us with some of this church work so we can spend our time searching the scriptures and prayer and, 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 and praying about what we're finding. And so they spent their time searching the scriptures. What were the scriptures? Well, the New Testament was being written, so they were searching the Old Testament scriptures to see Jesus all over the pages of them. And when, when Jesus came and he walked on the road to Emmaus with those two bros, and they were like, they didn't know it was Jesus, and they were like, man, what's going on? And he was like, man, haven't you heard that just Jesus was in town? They crucified him, and then Jesus just started talking to them. Even before they knew it was Jesus, he opened up to them and taught them from Moses all the, through the prophets all the way up to himself. And then he opened their eyes, and you know what they said? Didn't our hearts burn as he opened the scriptures to us? What scriptures? The Old Testament scriptures. The early disciples spent their time in the Old Testament scriptures, so much so that I want to point out something to you and see if it sounds familiar from first or second Peter chapter three. This is the Apostle Peter writing. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and, and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. What are we learning there? 
What we're learning, man, is the church has got to get back to her original purpose. And it's preaching and teaching the word of God. And the people of God have got to understand the seriousness of what is coming out ahead of us. We've got to realize that we can no longer be rebellious and just look for places that make us and allow us to go to church on a weekly basis and be comfortable and cozy. One thing you will not find as you read the New Testament scriptures is a comfortable and cozy people. You will find a people who are getting it done for the kingdom. And they never are the kind of people that go, oh, we got to go to church today. They're the kind of people that want to get to that place so that they can interact with their spiritual family and share the reports of all the good news, that the things that God has done in their lives. And they're roaming about in the world and they're making a difference and the kingdom is advancing. And that's what brings about revival. That's what the world is needing. That's what our community needs. Our, our community is drunk on itself. There's no time for God. Just enough to make me feel okay about the way that I'm living. I got all these other things that I need to be involved in. No, the kingdom of God is the most important thing in your life. And it needs to, it needs to take um, that prominent position in your life where it's elevated above everything. And you see, I'm not a soft citizen. I'm a part of the kingdom of Christ, and I will take up my shield of faith, and I will take up my sword of truth, and I will in all prayer with thanksgiving, I will plead and make intercession for people to come into the kingdom of God. I won't be soft. I won't be soft at school. I won't be soft with my eyes. I won't be soft with my mouth. I won't be soft with my finances. I won't be soft with my time. You want to be soft. That's just to say, man, I think I'm going to get a trophy because everyone does. They don't. They don't. And so here's what I would challenge you today as we come to a point of prayer in this service and commitment. is just bow your head in a spirit of prayer and, and beg the Lord not to allow you to be soft. And make a decision, man that you're gonna be a part of the kingdom and, and that you're going to be a warrior for the Lord and you're gonna advance his kingdom and you're gonna learn how to sing the song of joy. And if you're not a, a part of the remnant, man, I call on the name of the Lord. Like, I don't need to tell you what to do. I don't need to have you come forward. I know when I called on the name of the Lord, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and I called on him and I was changed like that. And so you call on the name of the Lord and let him change you into the thing like himself. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.